Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is the podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Jenny Delange, author of the book, We Will Never Forget. This book is the observations of war seen through the eyes of the, of the observer, a gentle toy, a mascot who has accompanied determined men and women, old and young, through the bewildering, realistic experiences of war. So Jenny, I want to welcome you to the Books on Air podcast. Hello. I'm glad you're here today. So let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and how you came to write your book. I came to write this book because for many years I've been sending out a lot of posts to friends and I'd always used this uh, observer, which is actually Mickey Mouse. Um, and Minada is, I'm allowed in this last month to refer to it as Mickey Mouse because Mickey Mouse's copyright has come on. Mm -hmm. He is 100 years old and he belonged to my father-in-law, who was uh, 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 came out of medical school in about 1924, a third of his class in that, at that time died from infection, no uh, antibiotics. But Mickey Mouse has also been this. He is the observer. He appears on every page, but beside every picture, and he observed. He has observed war in reality because my father-in-law, who was a doctor ran a prisoner of war hospital for Italians outside Cairo. And to begin with, they made uniforms. But after a while, they discovered that it was much more fun to make glamorous clothes for those on leave, for, who were on leave, young people uh, in Cairo. And so I think they had quite a lot of adventures. Wow. So your father-in-law owned the patent for Mickey Mouse? He didn't own the pet, well, I suppose he just owned this beautiful little toy, which was made of velvet. It's not like a modern Mickey Mouse. It's very soft. Um, he's held together with wire and doesn't have a very startled expression. He just has a knowing, innocent expression that a child would be used to. And I think that probably he took Mickey Mouse like if he was a grown man, a doctor. I think he needed uh, a, a lucky charm like a child has a toy, something that will comfort them. So Mickey Mouse stayed with him for his entire life on the mantelpiece uh, in his rooms when he had patients, and they he has have heard all sorts of stories about mm -hmm. um, how people's lives evolve. It's not easy. Yeah, so that's interesting. So the the concept of the observer is helping the reader to see see the topics just through a different set of eyes then? Is that? Yes. Yes. Because I think that we're used to seeing war and conflict only on the television or in black and white in the newspaper. The newspaper doesn't explode. The, the newspaper, you can't, you can't taste tears. And, and, and I think a child has a better, and this is a new gentle way of looking at um, how human beings caught in the conflict of war um, cope with resilience, laughter, camaraderie, and um, amazing strength. I know this because I'm in my 80s, and I, my, 
I was alive in the last World War. And my father, who flew, who was a squadron leader of New Zealand's only dive bomber squadron, um, used to come home on leave. And he would come home in high spirits, I think really buoyed up probably with adrenaline from the fear and the uh, excitement and the thrilling times and that he had had with his friends. There was immense camaraderie and at the same time, terrible fear that you wouldn't return from the next flight. And I think he always carried with him this feeling that he was here on borrowed time, that he was beyond lucky to have survived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so in your book, you, you talk about war using the, the observer, as we mentioned. Do you want to share maybe one of your poems from your book with the listeners? Um, they came to obliterate, driven off. They couldn't take the sky, the earth, the ground under the dog's feet. So I like to look at the insects and, the, and how people, even when there's only rubble, and their house is completely smashed, they still know that um, the spring will come and flowers will grow again. It's not about the horrors. It's about how people have hope and how they know that they will dance and laugh, but it will be under a black moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it, it's it's such an interesting perspective on such a, a heavy and hard topic. You know, it's it's yeah. such a... Well, like you're saying, I mean, when we read the any news on war, um, you know, especially not being there, it just it doesn't feel real. I think, you know, you read the words, but it doesn't it doesn't sink in. It doesn't sink in or it's too horrible. Yeah. We look away. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people um, who still want to be able to empathize or feel these emotions so that the poems and the illustrations are like listening to tiny tunes or lyrics. They're not haiku, but they're short like haiku. Mm -hmm. And they just give people a taste of what it feels like to walk in the shoes of somebody who is in the predicament of war. And then they can walk on again and go back into their own traumatic lives but I don't think we can take it on board all day but people poets and painters and everybody likes to just feel the heart of those people just for a little while yeah in that that it's when you're in any sort of trauma even you like you mentioned in our day-to-day lives the trauma that we face it's um it's sometimes shocking that the world still goes on when we're experiencing some sort of trauma. I felt that in my own life. Um, my dad passed away and I felt that after that, like it was felt shocking to me that the world, you know, still moved on and I was in such pain and people experiencing war in war, living that, um, that trauma every day. it sounds like what you're offering is a glimpse of hope for a brief period of time before they resume, you know, whatever they're experiencing. Yes, I think that's right, because unless we have downs, we don't 
recognize up so if you had the grief of losing a, a parent or a father or as, as we both have that um, after a while um, that heals and you only remember the really good times but it is very painful at the time so I, I think it's a life is extremely complex and it isn't one thing all the time yeah uh, that's I think if you are in the Ukraine and living there that you still um, dance and you still fall in love and you still if you're an old lady think what can I do and so you put a grenade or medical supplies in a basket, get on your bicycle and take it to the front line. Yeah, it's a it's it's a lot of complexity in there. And and so if you described your book as is is there a theme you would use to describe your book or specific words that that come to mind when you when you talk about it? I think it's about um humanity, uh resilience courage and laughter mm-hmm. because and laughter laughter sustains us um it, it, if you remember in the last world war people always had the troops were entertained i know my father played the piano for the troops and these kind of things made life worth living right people going. yeah and, and as you mentioned you know that change um you know nothing stays the same whether it's we're up or down, right? Whatever part we're at, it, the change is the constant. What would you say surprised you the most in writing your book? I think the th- thing that surprised me the most was how people, um, the responses that I got from people who after a little while couldn't, couldn't wait for what I was going to send out next Saturday and were amazed at how there were more and more things that I kept thinking of that they would have they themselves would have thought of quite easily and they spoke such lovely things I just can't wait to hear what Mickey Mouse has said and then they would be terribly sad and hurt by what they were reading but they could recover and go on through the day well and you recently had a very good review about your book do you want to tell us about that that's exciting (laughs) I just was very surprised that um because I haven't written before, um, I, I'm, I'm a dyslexic. And so I actually had to um, be amazed that I could put to words what I was looking at in my ceramic paintings. For 60, I'm in my 80s, and so for 60 years I've made ceramic paintings. Now, ceramic paintings are very different from oil paintings. They're like uh, shiny floor tiles with a, a beautiful picture on them and you use silicate, silicates, lead and cadmium and ground up to look like glass to paint on a large tile. And then this poor tile gets shoved into a kiln mm-hmm. and it's there for three days and reaches about a thousand degrees. When it comes out, not like an oil painting which you can stand back and look at and think, oh, I could adjust this, I could do that. Um, out, come, out of the kiln comes this amazing experience, which is your child, really. It's mm-hmm. like stained glass, glittering and sparkling, and all the grey paint colours, because silicates are all, all grey colours, have changed. And you've suddenly got brilliant, brilliant uh, colours, just rather like stained glass. So on the cover of the book, I'm using 
the Ukrainian flag, but part of um, one of my tiles, and it's blue on the top of the Ukrainian sky, and on the bottom is uh, a field of sunflowers, because the sunflowers go for miles and miles um, across the Ukraine, and you cannot hide in sunflowers. And now the sunflowers are filled with mines, and the sunflower seeds are rotting on the ground. It's been very, very difficult to get the, the sunflower seeds and the wheat out of Ukraine. The Ukraine supplies about a third of the world's um, sunflower oil. So there are tragedies everywhere. Yes, there definitely is. Um, tell us a little bit more about how your ceramics inspired your poems. Was this by looking at them and the feeling you got, or was it the words that came to your mind when you were creating them? Or how did that work for you? The, um, I've created the, the ceramics over many, many years, and they've always somehow appealed to people. And I think I've... Uh, in the paintings, they describe um, how we have had um, ups and downs and tragedies and happiness in our lives. And, and as it's been over a long time, I could just look back and see that these same things relate to today. Nothing, nothing changes that mm -hmm. much. Yeah, yeah. So your book, We Will Never Forget, who would you say your book would appeal to and why? I think it appeals to anybody who wants the chance, a poets and painters, but ordinary people who just want to be, have a little glance at what, how the heart and how people, how, how you can walk in the shoes of people in difficulties. And, um, I can't remember what you, the rest of the question was. To yeah, just who, you, who the book would appeal to. And, and I think it you also, answered oh, yes. It also appeals to um, teenagers because I think teenagers are fascinated to hear about what life is like in wartime because um, the first edition of my book was published in New Zealand here and the, the teenage daughter of the publisher Wanted, had read it and wanted to come and talk to Rick and I about um, what life had been like during the war. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it, I think we just have a slightly different slant on how life is compared with today. And the, the teenagers like to hear that. Yeah, it's very important. It's very important. Jenny, this has been a fascinating conversation with you. My guest today has been Jenny Delange, author of the book, We Will Never Forget. And Jenny, before we close out today, what do you hope the readers learn or take away after reading your book? I think that we must never give up, that we must hang on to the truth, our own truth, and that we must remember that spring will come again and things will always get better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful advice. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jenny, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Goodbye. You can find more about the book, We Will Never Forget, on Amazon. And Jenny has a website, jennydelange.com, which I'll link to in the show notes. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.